This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Double or Nothing 2023 review live from Las Vegas. I am Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dadly Boy Michael Hamflit to discuss everything that's just gone down on tonight's show. But before we get into it very quickly, if you are a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We preview and review Raw Smackdown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Dynamite Rampage Premium Live Events Pay-Per-Views. We have wrestler discussion, uh, wrestling interviews, roundtable discussions, and we host, not this week, a roundup of the week complete with a pretty good quiz, of course, on on wrestle culture, Hamlet, the first live AEW pay per view experience for me. Half of it lived up to my wildest expectations, mm-hmm. the other half did not. I can understand why the average Joe watching it on TV might have been somewhat underwhelmed, mm-hmm. and we can bear that in mind when we review it. But we had a great time, we did. And I like that you've already, in the introduction alone, given that sort of broad spectrum of thoughts from us trying to imagine what it would been like to watch it at home, to accept that our live viewing, not only because it was live, but because it was our first AWP view, because yeah. we've flown halfway across the world to see it, is going to carry a certain different stock than people that are just simply watching at home. But then I expect nothing less from one of the hosts of the only wrestling podcast worth of, not our words, the, the words, words of, of AEW World Heavyweight Champion Maxwell Jacob Friedman. So, like, I'm not surprised. Yes. It's just what I would come to expect, and I imagine our listeners feel the same. We talked about this in the, <laughs> I was going to say in the breaks, in the split seconds between a wrestler leaving and another wrestler arriving, we talked about how we would address this. So, not as a do off the top, I'm cracking with the show. I never wanted to be a podcast. I love going to watch wrestling live, but I never wanted to be a podcast that um, denied the television experience just because it was live in the building. Yeah. We've talked with our listeners through Twitter through emails, whatever, and they've often contacted us and said, what are you dogging the crowd for? They were class. And it's like, there can be two answers here. There absolutely can be two answers. I know what I heard with my ears, but I equally, other than occasional sound issues and miking issues with AW, I don't doubt the television audience as well, because the theme, one of the themes of AW this week in Vegas, truthfully, has been, it's not hot. Yeah. And I think that was 
on a card, and I agree with you, there were peaks on this card, well, we sat next to each other, that were sky high, and we witnessed each other experiencing them. You can't quite get away from that, even though this dynamite in terms of atmosphere and experience dwarfed the one, sorry, the paper, you dwarfed one that had at Dynamite and Rampage earlier in the week. Yeah, absolutely. There were moments, nay, almost full-length matches where yeah. there were no crowd dips or they were very, very low and just customary with the story being told and the mm. downtime and the selling. There were three matches here that were absolutely white-hot. Yep. There was one match that got a nice, respectful reaction, then pretty much got hotter than anything else on the night, and the rest were peaks and troughs. Yeah. Here's a, here's a big stunt. Pop for that. Yeah, I, it's just not a product that is completely and utterly white hot. Um, and it's just the kind of weird, bleak reality that AEW endures in 2023. When the characters and stories are connecting in the way that we've seen them connect in the past, and not just in AEW, in, in pro wrestling, when characters and stories are connecting, the bits in between the setup and execution of a cool move generate just as much if not more excitement because it's the anticipation yeah. it's the trying to get into the wrestler's head because you love them or hate them or whatever and those gaps were notable in those matches that you're referencing um, especially jarring because the work is almost always so good Yeah, and I think that's why it's more noticeable I don't want to neg say your, your standard WWE Raw match but they're even like told to wrestle to that lowered standard yeah. um, it's almost like they're working to those quiet WWE crowds these wrestlers on this card don't do that yeah. so it's almost like the highest of highs the euphoric moment of the oh my god he's going up to that turnbuckle he's doing that move followed by the execution of it and then right it's good wait for my next one now that reveals a fundamental lack of interest in that person and the, the story they're trying to tell rather than the actions they're putting indeed indeed yeah. there was no emotion I think the most um, emblematic um, example and we'll get to it like imminently when we go match by match is Wardlow Christian yeah the connective tissue the fans just weren't into it at all and the genuinely incredible stunts that I did not expect I thought it would go way more understated like old school to use a you know a, a bastardised term but they got the bump uh, the pops for those stunts because of course they were going to but yeah there was no um, emotion when they were trying to tell that story realistically but we'll start very very quickly at the buy-in it was um, Hardy Oof. Party versus the Guns and Ethan Page Look, I'm in a good mood. Mm -hmm. Elements of the match were fun, I guess. Ethan Page was doing a um, Jeff Hardy dance when they were getting the heat. <laughs> and he did it for so much longer than I expected him to do it. <laughs> to the point where I almost got uncomfortable. So that was good. The guns bumping all over the shop with these flailing tumbles out of the ring. Great commitment. Great bit. Um, the match really fell apart at one point when Jeff Hardy um, went to perform whis Whisper in the Wind mm. and just completely fell off the ropes. He looked like he'd injured himself quite badly. He was like practically lying down mm. by the turnbuckles. No, it's in a leg, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like lying down at one point. He got up for the finish. The Hardys were incredibly over. I think botch aside, this wasn't a particularly good match or a memorable match. And even as get the crowd unglued, kick off fair. It went on some time. Yeah, but three um, heat hot segments, tags. Three hot tags. I couldn't believe it. And I, it was in that way, it's that entitled wrestling fan way, 
these people are falling on their backs to my entertainment. And, and you really get a sense of that live as well. Yeah. More so than on TV. Totally. And I just, I was cross in that way that I was like, we, this should have finished ages ago. That tag should have been the last tag. It was impossible to work out in the building without help from the announcers what on earth was happening, and the camera work for that matter, what on earth was happening with Jeff Hardy because he was selling in that way that like uh, a wrestler gets injured for real. So then you look at the referees and you try and discern from that and we couldn't. There was confusion around us. You could sense it from people in the building because that whisper in the wind, I think it was like... He got injured before. One spot earlier was where people saw him pull up because then there was a sense of, don't do that, Jeff. And he did do it and then he just like, he zigzagged, his body zigzagged down that rope. It was yeah. a horrifying fall. And, you know, Jeff, it's Jeff Hardy, he suffered worse, but there was no sense of control to it from what I can recall. Um, and I just thought it was, I don't know, I didn't want to see Hook, like, sell and reach out for the tag in that traditional way that he was asked to do. His hot tag should have been the kind of the first and only time he was in the match, doing yeah. the impact stuff. Because they, they give him the win, which you point out that, like, Hook got the victory. Yeah. And, like, this was supposed to be Matt Hardy's big claiming of Ethan Page's contract, and yet... The finish existed to elevate a hook. Yeah. But couldn't you have done that with the... Like, could Hook not have got in the ring, explode on people, and then won? And it was like, this puts him over above the Hardys. He could, but at some point, he has to do a traditional match. Yeah. Maybe we're being impatient, and this is just a way to just gradually develop Hook in and amongst, in and around a feud that sucks. It wouldn't be a wrestling podcast if we didn't say this. Jeff Hardy got an absolutely thunderous moneymaker well, world champion reaction. They're so over. You cannot deny it ever. Like Matt Hardy's so over as well. They chant delete for everything he does. Like, mm. This is one of the most over matches outside of the four. Yeah. Which we'll get to the four. They've got Ethan Page's contract, so get used to some more of that. No, God, I don't want to. I don't want to. The first of the four was the opener, which was oh, absolutely mate, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I tweeted after the fact, Was that did that come off as the best battle royal anyone's ever seen live? Not including Rumbles. Hmm. But my God, they had a finishing sequence that rivals the very best rumbles. So hot. Like Gunther Cody, Sean Taker, Cassidy Swerve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there was an... I'll, we'll get to the rest of the match. I can't recap it. I'm not Adam Wilborn. Um, we'll get to the rest of the match and the highlights of it more specifically, like, in a moment. But that... It was so white hot, that final showdown between Swerve and Cassidy. You genuinely thought the titles uh, might get switched here. Yeah. Um, and what I loved about it was that Cassidy started to do the zigzag and that swerve does first. Mm. As if to say, oh, you know, I can do this. Yeah. I study. I might seem like I don't, but I do. And then the apron stuff, there was just so much tension and suspense and, like, some of the convoluted counters. Like, they played a game of chess. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Uh, Big Bill is the best wrestler in the oh world. My God. Big Bill is the sort of wrestler who is just so banter. Everything he does looks so great. He was so... He was Booked superbly mm-hmm. in here because he was just chucking loads of people out. Yeah. And then the field was thinning, and you're thinking, Big Bill is not only going to win this, I really want him to win this. Yeah. So he was doing these like rampaging across the ring. He's so quick, particularly for a big fella, but he's just quick by wrestling. Standards. Gobbled up the hatred. He was clearly booked to win oh a lot God. of sentimental favourites, and he knew it. And he's been a star before. Yeah. So he was like, well, I'm not just going to eliminate them and crack on. He sold every one of them. Like, I hope I've personally offended every single body in this crowd. Do you know what this was? What's that? This was the 2015 Royal Rumble Kane and Big Show run, except excellent. Yeah. The the targeted assault on the the, the face. The big lad killing people, your favourite people. And he was just happy as a pig in 
yeah. as a result Brian Cage was doing some impossible stuff uh-huh. um, Commander and Phoenix's high spots were used really like elegantly yeah it wasn't you, what are you doing climbing the top rope in a battle royal this yeah like, and then and then they, they came undone in the end as well like, Commander's yeah. rope walk again it's the sort of thing you see on telly and you can see him telegraph it and he can and you've seen it on GIFs so when you see it on telly it's like okay I've seen that mm. he like Got halfway between the top rope and the rafters, it felt like, with that <laughs> dive. It was absolutely incredible. Um, so Big Bill, I want to talk about Big Bill. Uh, Big Bill does these incredible big boots, and he's just gobbling up the heat, and he's just genuinely on a rampage. He does this, uh, it's, there's a few more twists in it, but basically his boss man slam. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. He was, like, playing with a child in there. Yeah. And, like, you know when you fake wrestle your kids yeah. and you do the thing where you just put them really high in the air and gently lower them down Yeah, he put them really high in the air and then just slammed them down <laughs> it felt like they were like he was making them sick with how dizzy with the rotations I was going to say like a four rotation black hole slam at one point wasn't it where he just kept going and kept going it was absolutely incredible Big Bill absolutely rules there's probably loads that I'm missing from here so is there what other highlights did you have from it uh, I loved the um, comment ah Something I wanted to flag. I love the camaraderie of um, the Lucha Brothers, Bandido, Commander, extending out to best friends because of the interpersonal relationships. We previewed in detail how this battle royal was full of mini feuds. Yeah. I hadn't given them credit for mini friendships. Yeah. And like Orange Cassidy in the press scrum afterwards, kind of half in character, half not. And I say half in character and half not because we realised during the match, and the commentary might have put this over, we were watching live, that... Orange Cassidy was kind of inadvertently responsible for both of his best friends getting eliminated. And they've touched upon that once before in the Orange Cassidy International title run. And this felt too pointed for them to not revisit that. Like, he's survived seemingly the impossible odds. And his friends have gone by the wayside yet again to make it so. I'm not suggesting a split, but I wonder what drama there is to take from that because it seems like it wasn't just there by accident. Yeah, Trent and his retweets have got a... Mm. Energy. Chuck Taylor, as we know from loads of viral clips in his history, in the um, his early history in the Indies, can be a great heel. Mm. Could it be time for the best friends to turn heel? I think it would be ideal. Yeah, it's probably been time for a couple of years, isn't it? Yeah. But like, I think it would be. It would. They'd probably be a benefit to the tag division, whereas at the moment they're kind of just warm bodies in it. Yeah. One other note. Um, this felt like the beginning of the end for one of our little favourite bits of otherwise pointless law, which is the success of Butcher and the Blade in Battle Royals they were kind of just disposed of it yeah. so maybe that's the end of something that was just fun for a while yeah. to have that so. indeed uh, the second match uh, for me a monumental disappointment there is absolutely no getting um, around it and <clears throat> we're not the uh, it's cool to hate Jericho he's always out of fashion guys we've really put over this programme so much so that I was really disappointed by this mm. and there's an unsanctioned match that peaked in the first minute when someone who wasn't involved Sabu jumped off the top turnbuckle and put someone I couldn't see to be honest through the table yeah one Um and then it was basically inserted the guest enforcer for A a cheap pop B to fill that plot hole right up of the JAS could just interfere at any point mm. but they've been warded off by Sabu and then with an insane like ridiculous yeah. spot that I just loved and popped for got a huge reaction in the building and that was the spike that was the highest spike of that atmosphere if you look at it like a waveform because if you look at it like a waveform like I'm recording on the uh, Audacity program right now when you are quiet 
there's a little blue line. And then when your voice picks up, it goes up and down like that. Yeah. It's just a thin blue line of noise this match yeah. for most of it. Then you get a spot and it goes up. It just felt like there was so much conspiring against this. Certain things just did not click. There was a line salt spot where oh. they got in each other's way. Then Adam Cole very obviously got into position to take it again. And then he popped up and tried to super kick Jericho. I don't know how it came off on TV. It didn't look particularly good in the arena. It was the all-time great Adam Cole ricochet super kick yes. spot. And that's ricochet, for Christ's sake. Like yeah. That's an incredibly ambitious thing. The Jericho's yeah. nothing if not ambitious. True, but I, when they went back to it, I thought that was not like them. Yeah. Because you could kind of see what was going to happen the first time. And then when it didn't work out, it was like, oh, we'll just have to leave that one in. And it went straight back to yeah, it. Yeah, straight and back to it. Chains around legs and arms never work because the chain just slips and it looks fit. Like, you're wasting your time. Hitting with it. Yeah, hitting with it. Yeah. Uh, there was a chain. They had a sort of a mini match within a match, like a mini um, dog collar match within a match at one point, and the, just the chain was wrapped around Cole's ankle somehow. Mm. That didn't help. Um, there was a protracted Walls of Jericho Lion Tamer spot where it seemed to take an eternity for Cole to actually retrieve the fire extinguisher, um, and then when Jericho did the slapstick turn around watch that I know what it is spray it with me in the face because that's <laughs> the spot it didn't feel like he could have just let go and ran away yeah Jericho's body language was fun mm-hmm. he was during the heat spot he did actually generate a little bit of heat because his body language and his facial expressions were good and there were a few good spots in there like there was a nice uh sort of what happened I was a Judas effect miss duck but then he got the chain around Cole's throat there's probably some other things I'm missing and the finish is that Adam Cole with vengeance bloody vengeance on his mind shoots gave Jericho a black eye like fair dues for doing that for the finish because mm-hmm. I think you've gone for that uh, the Mick Foley thing of punch me and mark me up and I'll look like I'm really really damaged so they've gone in in a hard way finish but the crowd jeered it relentlessly. Oh, died in the building. It got booze. It was rejected. It was like, uh, just it wasn't a good finish. I thought it was a decent idea for a finish. Mm. And maybe we've overrated the storyline because if it was this good and Adam Cole was just pounding on Jericho's face so hard in retribution that he's marked them up for reals and the crowd just booed the hell out of it. Is that because they just weren't into the match? They were expecting a lot more from it. They don't really take... Like if Moxley as a babyface is doing that, and he's smashing the crap out of a heel's face, and they call it off with a chain wrapped around his mm. fist, that's probably a badass finish. Maybe that's not the wrestler people want Cole to be or take him seriously as. You said on the Dynamite review, and you used Moxley as the exact example, that Cole... Like has to be very careful delivering the lines he was delivering in the contract yeah. section. This was a good feud rather than a blood feud. Yeah, I was out for some middle of the night yeah. rhyming. Um, it was just like a really fun bit of business on television. And the only time it was a blood feud is the only other thing I can think of as a takeaway from this match, which was and they, like again this is like the crowd got hot for this, but it may as well have been like a moonsault that they got hot for. Um, Jericho wanted to like take Cole's head off with a kendo stick. And Britt Baker came to get her revenge for the attack. And then Soraya tried to cut off Britt Baker's interference. 
and that got us to a dynamite match. The Britt Baker stuff got really it over. got really over in the building. But again, and she that, smacked him as she, well. Well, yeah, she took her revenge, and that felt real, and that felt quite More real than Coles. Well, that felt like the blood feud element. Yeah. And that was the week where it became a blood feud. And in reality, was there anything they did? Like, you think back now, we were raving, and rightfully so, I believe, raving over the Roderick Strong match and the idea that Adam Cole can't get in the building. Can't get in the building, really, is actually like in this context it was quite entertaining rather than the two men signing a contract that they promised they wouldn't touch each other to the pay-per-view this wasn't Triple H Austin three stages of hell you know what I mean like I think they were fu- they were better when they were funnier they were better when they were more entertaining in the build yeah the and tone was a bit off it was a bit all over the shop and the only point at which the tone was blood feud was the Britt Baker beatdown and that's why that was so well received in the building yeah and I just and to be fair kind of interested in the mixed tag there was the most incredible feeling of dread but like knowing welcome dread when Saraya and Jericho were on screen together as partners, I hated it and I didn't hate it, if you know what I mean. I was like, oh, not you two. Yeah. But I kind of want to see, I want to be like, no, not you two. It was two like, horrible people. Uh, don't, take, don't take the piss. Yeah. Don't take the piss. Don't get boyfriends involved in rap band feuds. Like, don't. Pat yourselves on the back too much, but I want to look at it at least once. Yeah, yeah. two incredibly detestable characters. Yeah. And putting them together could really be something, mm-hmm. um, but not too much, I'm with you. Uh, the third match, uh, Michael Hamlet experienced Nirvana. Jesus Christ. It was uh, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal <laughs> versus FTR, and this was a masterpiece for what it was. <laughs> this was so unbelievably fantastic. I uh, was in heaven watching this. It wasn't just the vicarious joy in living through Hamlet because I had joy of my own. A, a, a exorbitant amount of it. So what happens is, it's uh, I called this. I'm not being funny, right? I saw in the preview that if you looked at the talent involved and the minds involved and the story, this could be like loads of different good matches, mm. different types of matches, perfected and just fused together. This was exactly that because some of the actual wrestling, we winced at those Dax chops on Jay Lethal. Oh. We absolutely smiled and marvelled and got shocked and wrong-footed at the proper Southern-style slapstick. Yeah. The cardio for which was really impressive, mm-hmm. like the dosey do spots and... Oh, yeah, all the rock and roll midnight stuff. Yeah, 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 it was absolutely tremendous. Yeah. And then he got some, like, great liquid wrestling, like, modern technical, I guess you would describe genre-wise, between um, Lethal and uh, Darks and Cash at various points. And I vividly remember saying to Hamlet, when admittedly the crowd was respectful, yeah. but not white hot, this is class, and we haven't even got to the bollocks yet. Yeah. <laughs> and then the bollocks happened, and the facial expressions, yeah. and Karen Jarrett getting more heat than basically anyone in the company. <laughs> and, like, this is your match. This is your match to quote Tully Blanchard. So I won't talk too much. I'll no, no. hand over to you. But there was a point. Well, no, there was like a million points <laughs> in the last five to seven minutes when I was just going, oh, oh, just making stupid noises. Yeah. But what? Why were I, Why was I making those noises? And you can go through it because when Jeff Jarrett signed for AEW, the dread amongst the audience was about as far away from the timeline we already live in today, some of us could have told you it was going to happen, guys, which is fan service. Yeah. Jeff Jarrett is a fan service wrestler. Now people have understood the value of a Jeff Jarrett. And he has enhanced that, to be fair. Like, he's over-delivered in this spot. 
but he has become a fan service wrestler in that he and Jay Lethal and this act and this, you know, like this tag team that believe in themselves and believe in their wily, dirty, cheating ways as much as anything. But Jeff Jarrett especially believes that he is very entitled to the belt that he is yet to win. So at this point, the fact that he continues to fail and all the ways that are starting to connect in the way that he fails become an act of fan service. It becomes, we're going to see this bit, we're going to see this bit, we're going to see this bit. And yet what they're doing is they're adding like an extra treat each time. So you're getting a little bit more from each time. So it was in the second one where Jarrett first added there. Yeah! Pre-pin He did it for a minute. I, I, that, when he's saying Ivana, like I, th- I think that was it. I'm not sure I remember finished. I blacked out in that moment because it was so good. You previewed and Nate hoped for him to do that again. Yeah. And he did it for like what felt like 40 beautiful seconds. It was like wish fulfillment of you getting the entirety of um, Brian and Kenny on your birthday. Yeah. For me, that spot was. But then, yeah... The advancement of um, the Mark Briscoe friendship storyline has been so delicately done because it was only when like Jeff Jarrett was like, you are of absolutely no use to me. I've never respected you, you hillbilly freak. Yeah. That all of a sudden, he just the guard, the mask completely slipped. And the sequence that led up to it, not in my wildest dreams did I imagine I would get two guitar spots. And... I don't know what goes beyond Wildest Dreams that gets me to the second one. Because Karen Jarrett, as we kind of did suggest, was the perfect last-minute addition to this menagerie of bastards. What an act, by the way. Like, watching them live, genuinely, like, FTR were the special guests in the Planet Jarrett show. This gorgeously pantomime for 2023 Pro Wrestling Act. When you look at diversity of matches on cards, Christ Almighty, a Triple H pay-per-view could do with Planet Jarrett. Because they wouldn't give you a match that goes five minutes too long and is a technical masterclass between two great in-ring workers. You'd have a, it'd have a bit of flavour and it'd have a bit of character. Jeff Jarrett's more valuable to a WWE card than is an AEW one. There's diversity across it, at least in AEW. The, all the shtick, Sanjay Dutt, right, I want to isolate for praise because he was constantly joined. Like, he never stopped moving. Yeah. So he constantly joined with the fans. Satnam Singh, you said this straight away, with a laugh, with a chuckle. He's as tall as the top rope. Yeah. He's the biggest gun. It's it's a remarkable piece of business Sat I'm seeing is even in wrestling. Yeah. And with these guys, it's just it's just the best. And then Karen Jarrett, who was getting heel all like heat all night, because we'd said this and I was excited to watch it happen. Like, I don't think AEW fans are ready for Karen Jarrett. Yeah, no. Nah. They were walking down to the ring and stopping halfway down to just like give the old backhand threat to a couple of people at ringside. It's like this is gonna go really well. Yeah. It's gonna go really, really well. And the sequence in the setup, of course, Mark Briscoe gets bumped. And uh, Aubrey Ed- and this is LTSD within itself. Aubrey Edwards is the one to be running down to count FTR to win the match. And uh, Mark Briscoe, which I believe we also called, has done a double. Because he's getting rid of them one by one by yeah. one. Sanjay Dutt won't let Aubrey Edwards get to the ring. His face is amazing. He is like standing, they're doing the Doink Mirror spot where she moves and he moves and she moves and he moves. And then Sanjay Dutt slides out the way. Karen Jarrett kabongs her with a guitar. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, Karen Jarrett inadvertently fell over. So did I. Because at that point, I was just in ecstasy at watching this thing play out. Jarrett gets his near fall, but FTR get the win. I'd never been happier to see FTR be like kind of spare parts in their own feud. This was wonderful. Was they there... did loads of the like proper nuts and bolts stuff. We should yeah. put over Cash Wheeler because we noticed as well when Jarrett was kicking the back of his legs. You kind of have to bump big for Jarrett. Yes. And he was just. Legs in the air, nearly on the back of his neck, just Aye. like 
get. Like, like Cash Wheeler snap, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh god, um, all of this was utterly fantastic. It just kept one twist, the next, the next, the next, the next. It was just I was delirious with fun watching this. We were in our section. I think it's safe to say the most excited, earnestly, for Jeff Jarrett to win a belt. Yeah. But make no mistake. The heat in the building was real for FTR to win. Yeah. There was, they found panic in Jeff Jarrett winning. So as much as I say through my lens, they know what they've got now with the Jeff Jarrett form and fans like to enjoy watching it. They like to enjoy watching it, but there is still fear that that man is yeah. going to hold the belt. He should probably keep playing with that. Yeah. Because... He should probably win one. He should probably win one. Like, do you... Does he smash Wardlow's legs with a guitar? Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, is there a way to finagle him back into something because people... Hate, would hate would love hating it. I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The match was just so. Much I cannot wait fun. to watch this back. I cannot. I wait. cannot wait. It was so goddamn much fun. Um, we mentioned it earlier. Um, Christian Cage lost to Wardlow. Didn't win the TNT title mm. in a ladder match. Next, I believe. Yeah. And this is the match we were talking about, where some of the stunts were absolutely unhinged. <laughs> Wardlow sent on off the Jeff Hardy size ladder it was unbelievably well done. Gorgeous. And we were terrified in that building. Um, Christian Cage that was on Luchasaurus who had interfered which actually I want to make a point of too much almost every single match in fact 7 out of the 9 had stuff on the outside mm-hmm. the seconds the managers the valets um, the, 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 the heaters all had a part to play whether they were swiping people out the ring when they're about to make a pin whether they were on the ropes, trying to distract the referee. It was so excessive. You're getting bored at home if you're watching it. I've, oh, li- I've lived it. You are. Uh, like, you're getting bored. It's enough. And the thing is, it's like, just if you do predominantly clean singles and tags, this stuff will start to mean more. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like, my God, they're trying to get everyone on this card. My God, these matches are kind of structurally very similar in who gets the heat and how the catharsis is done. And still... I don't think it was a stunt show because Christian Cage was doing his usual very good act, like excellent act, where he's wrestling like a dirtbag rat. Barely does moves. He barely avo- does avoids moves. them. That's his new yeah. thing. He barely does moves, um, which informs that it should, in theory, have that sort of that peak, that waveform, where we thought that the senton off the table was going to go off the top turnbuckle through to Christian yeah. Cage for the last second he rolled away and did the arm wave and everyone went oh. but then for whatever reason that reaction didn't persist through the match even though I thought the story told was good what was the other big dodge Wardlow was going to do the powerbomb symphony on a bridge ladder wasn't he yes and Christian just low blowed him at the last second yeah. like, that's what he's going to do they're going to keep showing you the idea a preposterous spot until it escalates in something the size of the swanton but it didn't really didn't materialise like uh, that did it just stuff it just stuff quite happened. entertaining stuff happened yeah in bits and bobs there it was really hard in the arena to discern what was going on with Luke Soros's thumbs and Arnazen's blood capsule bladed fit. like God uh, knows uh, God, God knows. knows there was a bit of blood it was in weird places um, I like Arn Anderson and Wardlow's I referred to it as like Steptoe Son chemistry on Twitter yeah it's really shabby and it Sweaty and bloody, and it might stink a piss, but I think they're better together. It's that's Pe- the, they're messy bitches, them two. They, they are messy bitches, but I think that works. Before the sent on, they were really getting into Christian Cage winning this match. The crowd, though, yeah, they really were. So that's another thing where, like, I thought it was, a, it was a good idea. The execution wasn't as great as I thought it could have been. The heat wasn't there, 
but it's not working. Like people wanted Cage to win, and Wardlow had to jump off what genuinely JR hyperbole felt like a twenty foot tall ladder. Um, again, we're going off our live experience and things now ahead. You know, no other opportunity. We've literally just got back from the building. Um, Wardlow was it a gimmick ladder? And was that the intended idea to be like, wow, Wardlow's so big, he has bent metal and steel with his body when he jumped from the postal ladder? I think he just was. Well, he warped it, and then he climbed it anyway, and that was nearly a disaster. The ladder was dead, and you could hear people in the building, use another one, Wardlow, there's 50 there, mate. It's and not he climbed it anyway, and like... It's not good when one of your top baby faces is dumber than everyone in the audience. Yeah, like... And I'm not saying he's dumb, I'm saying that in... The heat of the moment in a ladder match specifically, and in the modern era, you do the move, do the matches laid out to you. Mm. I would like a bit more improvisation. He did that really sexy shoulder block where he dodged a falling one, and we were like really impressed that he yeah. just, just dropped a shoulder and was still able to like hit yeah. like, the shoulder block. And it's like, like ladder's meant to be this dangerous yeah. thing uh-huh. that you can't control. Um, but the finish basically is Wardlow wins. Um, Christian Cage took some punishment here, mm. like he took a. Airplane spin onto a ladder ribs first. Like it was genuinely quite wince inducing and gruesome and like gnarly. But again, before like in between the stunts, like the fans lit it was just like a raw taping volume. It was very strange. And again, Wardlow had to jump off a twenty foot ladder with a picture perfect sent on to get the fans back on board. You can't do that every week, so I do yeah. I do get the impression that they're going to have to do something else with him. Yeah, it's uh, it was the most that when he stood atop that ladder and he had his balance and he had his arms out wide, it kind of felt the hottest he'd been since he was like conducting those early power bombs. And yeah, but you realise it was heat for the drama of the stunt more than for the the man. The match, oh yeah, right. any of that sort of stuff. So it's hard at the moment. It's hard to discern what they can do to change these from. Like being like empty calorie pops to meaningful moments again. Yeah. Like, and I would, but I would even extend that to like the semi main on this card, as good as some of that was. So yeah. it's just, I think it's a bit of a, it's a booking problem. It's all like we talk about booking because it's the most important thing. Yeah. It's, it is, and it, you, you see it reflected here. Was it Storm and Hate and next? Yes. Weird. This is weird. Weird, weird, weird. You would never have this with a men's world title match on a pay per view. No. Ever. Like, ever. If, because they sell these shows because the men are booked more favorably. And if there was a singles match and you learned that in the weeks ahead of it, your champion had been injured and they could probably, and this is probably a big, you know, of a, a topic worth delving into. How injured was she? And if she was that injured, should she have done as much as she did? She was like lifting Storm up mm-hmm. for um, power moves at one point. If the shoulder's that bad, you could exacerbate it. Uh, that's uh, a point definitely worth raising. Um but yeah, what happens is Storm comes out as a challenger. Big uh, hate as music hits. No one comes out. You sense something amiss because you knew something was just not right in the build and the various reports and the the lack of build and the fact that she was legit injured or like really banged up at least from various uh, reports. Then she eventually tries to make it out, but the outcasts have attacked her. They drag her to the ring. You get sort of a. If you've not seen it, which you probably have, but it was basically a money in the bank cash-in match. Kind of. One of of two on the show. Yeah. Where the person who is going to lose gets a little bit where you think, oh, maybe maybe she isn't, maybe he isn't going to lose. But no, no. They do lose. 
and Hater gets pinned after uh, a Sweet Cheeks music. There, the there was Ruby there. So let me get the order right. Did Saray? Yeah, Saray came out. Brit chased her away. Ruby Soho continued to interfere. Sprayed her. Sprayed her in the eyes. Loosened the turnbuckle. And yeah, you said Sheeta came out. Monster pop for her. She got rid of Soho. So like, oh maybe M Hater's got a chance. But Tony Storm propelled her into the exposed buckle. Yeah. And then drilled her with the pulling powder of the storm. I was at one of storm the storm zero. Um, so yeah, it was like the idea was despite injuries, despite beatdowns, it's still taken all of this crazy yeah. interference. Outcasts are there. Heels like the cheap heel title win. The work is great because these two are super physical with each other. But I think it hates her. I got the oh, feeling. She's that, hurt. She's I got hurt. the feeling she was working. Doing more than she should have been working through her. Yeah. To try and have them have the cake and eat it. We're giving it that's we promised. But you're not. Yeah. You? Like it's it, all this felt a bit off. All a bit off. Not on. That's why it was off. <laughs> but Tony Storm, I think, were, were, yeah, based on evidence, like she was great as a champion last year. Oh, yeah. If you're going to have a weekly title defense from her, even if it's cheap heat stuff, it's going to improve. The outcast as a stable and the outcast homegrown stuff. She's super credible. Super credible. So there could be worse outcomes, but yeah, I just don't like how they went about this. Mm. And uh, it just wouldn't happen with the men's world title in one million friggin' years, which incidentally was the length of the uh, press scrum, which we attended. Check out YouTube for clips of that. Um, The trio's open house challenge was after this. Yeah. Uh, the House of Black come out they are ungodly over the acclaimed come out with an exceptional rap <laughs> from Max Caster they are ungodly over and I don't know if it's just the complexion of the crowd their general feelings towards a lukewarm product the lighting the fact that daddy ass isn't anywhere near the expected advertised trios mm-hmm. standard, but they had a pretty boring match with an anticlimactic finish. Yeah. Very little of which really struck me. Like Brody King doing his oh oh oh, mm. uh, he splattered pancakes, Billy Gunn, like pancakes, yeah. um, sent on spot when they're upright in the chair spot was great, but you see it in every single House of Black match. Um, Anthony Bones mimicking Malachi Black's pose again quite fun this heat and this volume I was I couldn't believe it because I had this pegged as one of the sleeper hits of the undercard because quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. They were both so over on that dynamite taping. And in fact, they were both so over. Like the House of Black are one of the most overacts on this entire show, this mm-hmm. entire company. I was expecting magic here. Didn't get it. Um, the heat was boring. At various points, it felt like a raw match. Yeah. Which was just a trios title match on an AEW pay per view between two of the most overacts in the company. You should be rubbing your hands with glee. You should be losing your mind with excitement. There was very little of that. The, and the, the, I get the like the, uh, the reasoning behind the finish, but basically, after what felt like an age, Billy Gunn did nothing, nothing at all, except wait for the hot tag that was continuously cut off. He gets in the ring, tells people to suck, the, suck his gag, <laughs> and then Malachi Black just hits him with what used to be the black mask yeah. and pins him. I think it's meant to be this jarring shock of, oh, it doesn't matter how over someone is or how big they are or how, you know, nominally yeah. legendary they are. The House of Black will kill you with one strike sometimes and that's the end. Um, this didn't do anything for me at all. I think the finish read to politics. Billy Gunn has to get pinned because why would you pin one of the equipment yeah. when Billy Gunn's out there? But he only agrees to get pinned off a black mass if he's out to monster Brody and Buddy first. Yeah. He did. He, like, he did a proper... No sell of the entire, not just Brody King's physical offense, the aura. Now oh, I'm big and jacked, so yeah. You and then he like it was pretty cool actually, but like he um like he hit like an elevated. Buddy Matthews was like bridged slightly across the top rope, and he hit the famouser through it and like yeah. spiked his head with it. So, and then he just turned into that that black mass. Best bit of the match for me was House of Black's gear, the, oh. like, the silver and white look. It's been a good week for me in the House of Black. Like, I will say that I'd needed to have the live experience with them twice, as it turns out, to understand the appeal. I get it. I completely get it. I'm still a fan of the lights. I still think the crowd speed used is a good compromise because I think the ring looks nice and light. I hate it now. See it on the scoreboard, like on the screen. Didn't need to watch the screen tonight because our seats were so fantastic. Yes. But uh, I did have a look at the lighting just to see what the match would look like on telly. And I, I get it. I get it enough. And I, it's it'll, it'll be... A visual identifier of the rain, but I don't know. The visual identifier of the rain should be some really great title defences and some quality stories. Yeah. This was this disproved a take I had on Thursday, and I won't say it again. I'll try not to, and people on Twitter can pick me up if I do. I believed for a while 
that you can just do matches with the House of Black because of the way they are. I think this has told me I was wrong. Potentially. Sto- maybe stories in trios matches with them still matter a little bit. Yeah. Like the f- most fun element of this match was Max Caster had made a joke about Dominic Mysterio. Um, that got so, a reaction. So Buddy got a lot of that in the ring and it was just a bit of fun in the arena. You know? It was like uh, like a TV taping slash house show. Did not have the prestige, the yeah. exhilaration, the match quality, the work. Um, of the AEW Trios division thus far, uh, which is disappointing. Um, Ty Valkyrie lost to Jade Cargill. Have I missed a match? I'm not. I don't think so. I know it. Yeah, I can. can you, so- while I talk about this, can you quickly? Yeah, I'll check. Go yeah. on there, the profile DB or the wiki page. Please mention Jade Cargill's entrance first. Oh my God, Jade! So Ty Valkyrie comes out. Um, Jade Cargill comes out, flanked by some dancers, and then participates in the dance herself. It's an absolute superstar entrance, and it really gets the crowd worked into the fact that well. This is a big match, mm. and they really got into it. Yeah. Elements of this were genuinely like fab, absolutely fab. Ty Valkyrie doing the Taiji Ishimori sliding German suplex kick dance. Great moment in the building. That, that was, was absolutely yeah. couldn't believe it. There were a few other moves not too dissimilar to that. Where you think, where have you pulled this from? Yeah, this is great. And then Layla Gray starts distracting Ty on the ropes, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? Mm. Like, what are you doing? We've done this in every other match other than the trios title match. And um, after a really good near fall when um, Valkyrie finally hits the jaded, it's one of those where it's like, do you waste what, two months of a story that doesn't really do anything on TV to get a one-second pop on a pay-per-view? Maybe you do. Yeah. It could all be good, that would be better, but if nothing else, they got that near fall, like one of the closest on the entire night until we got to the final two matches. Anyway, doesn't work, Jade kicks out, promptly hits a Jade of her own, wins, after which, actually tell us your thoughts on the match here. It was, uh, they did get badly lost at one point. They did. Audible groans lost. Yeah, we judge these ones, because ultimately bad creative, and it's a WWE thing as well often, when there's rubbish creative and only okay matchmaking when it comes to titles one of our standards is that we try and we say can they get you on a near fall on a title change can they get you to be all the way through 100% certain the result and then somehow convert you to 99 and 1% and I think they did better than that with the tie of Valkyrie is it Road to Valhalla as she calls it like the Road to Valhalla um, attempt on Jade was way more effective way more like credible as a way that she could actually end this 59-0 unbeaten run um, than I think I gave it credit for in the story that when it was all about not being allowed to use a finisher because the A4 was so impressive for a split second smart Mark Sterling's stupid legal wrangling was justified because you could understand why as a tactician he was afraid that Jade was going to get hit with it um, and I put that down to the the work beforehand, how stiff they were. Um, I genuinely sort of think without the, without that German suplex, without Jade being under fire and looking a little bit like, well, beatable, quite honestly, before she was minutes later, without her looking beatable in the run-up to it, I don't think you get the road to Valhalla T's being as effective as it was. Yeah. So I was like genuinely quite impressed with it. Um, and I don't know. I go back and forth. Does Ty Valkyrie on the on balance warrant 
a profiled spot again after this. I think I think she does. And she like, got a reaction. The character's hot. It's over. Um, and there was flashes here that have convinced me that I think there's like more for her to do. Yeah. I don't think she's just a jade loser and like you know, and maybe ultimately in the women's division because it is often so marginalised. Unfortunately, maybe that's off you go to Ring of Honor for matches until we tell you otherwise. But I hope she's kept around. Yeah. Like I think there's I think she's shown her value tremendously in this this week I've seen it. Yeah. So after the match, Smart Mark Sterling grabs a microphone. Smart Mark Sterling took a quality bump mm. um from Tyre Valkyrie after a top rope um just basically looked like a top rope version of a Tez press. Yeah. She crushed Smart Mark Sterling underneath. Um, he grabs a microphone in the post match says that uh, there's absolutely no one left. So consider this the end of the reign or whatever, or just yeah, just a basic, mm. there's absolutely no one left. And that summons Chris Statlander, who in a open challenge slash impromptu match, which they'd at least established on Rampage as something that they've done. But again... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I should be kind of I've forgotten about that. I still yeah. don't like it at all, to be perfectly honest. But they've tried to make it seem a little bit logical, like it's been planned out. Mm. Um, and a returning Chris Statlander, Chris Statlander, I'm exhausted, returns to a massive pop, really heartfelt reaction. Lovely, like really heartwarming uh, to see her come back. And again, the little mini money in the bank cash in, in that she actually takes a near fall where you think she isn't going to win the title, but she wins it within a matter of minutes. Setting up a rematch, probably finally putting an end to the Jade Cargill reign. It got a huge pop in the building. Yeah, I just wasn't a fan of the impromptu aspect. Um, I need to um, very quickly WhatsApp fill something for work. Okay, so filibuster for two minutes on a two-minute match. Ah, uh, well, I've got nothing to filibuster for about the match, but I, I, I had an opinion and I got a bit of grief on Twitter for it. So I'll talk about that instead. Um, I think that this was absolutely awesome and potentially a milestone in terms of like historically bad creative and I think it can be both of those things and I think that's a bit sad like I've seen cash-ins before live and they're very 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 satisfying there's the element of surprise title changes are cool in this case it's Jade Cargill and the end of a streak is pretty cool too Um so all of that is really good Chris Statlander is a huge sentimental favourite she's done incredible to come back from not one but two devastating injuries um, she is a homegrown in much the same way that the current baby faces in the AW women's division are so it kind of stands up as this nice achievement for AW originals to be given a belt and yet they've never done this before they've never had an impromptu match that has resulted in a title change, that has resulted in a major star losing their title, losing their unbeaten run, whatever it is, whatever's the stakes at the time. In this case, the Jade, it was both. They've never done it before. They've never... WWE have normalised this to such a degree, and you picked this up, and it was the one that I um, remember trying to defend because he called it hours earlier on Twitter, but you picked this up specifically with Big E. The nicest man in the world has the nicest day at his job. It is impossible not to adore that. But do we normalise the fact that that should never be just okay? No, it was just... And AEW have just done it. And it makes me feel a bit weird and a bit sad because you only get... Basically, you only ever get to do this 
once for the first time. But the point is you should never, ever do it. And that first should never be a first. You should never be, well, we've been around four years. It was high time we did this, like, impromptu, almost cash-in adjacent title. Was it? I don't think it was. No. I don't think it was. I think everybody, because we trained to watch AEW, I think everybody in this building thought, Chris Statlander's back. And she chases Jade off. And it's like, Chris Statlander's back. And that's the moment. And when anybody complains... And then just do the match on TV. Yeah. So weird. There's Set such, it up. A, such a WWE babyface thing to do, and I wasn't a fan of it. I, I don't think we'd be talking on these podcasts in the way we do about wrestling if we didn't flag it. Genuinely, like because people will. I understand getting washed up in sentiment. I, I like watching wrestling through that lens, but like it's not nice to watch. You know, the pillars. AW four pillars of wrestlers, but there are pillars of booking decisions and mentalities and structure. And another one has fallen for me. This is like the, rank, the rankings fell. The discipline around DQs and countouts is like wobbling. And one fell here. And I, I hate that. Legitimately, I hate it as much as I love it for Statlander, the person, the performer. I have the exact same opinion. And it follows Darby Allen celebrating getting a bye. Yes. And yes. it's like if we can't in AEW be white hot, pack out every arena, have the loudest fans this company and I think it's one of their most impressive achievements and how many great ones and how many different ones they have particularly when WWE weren't able to do it for decades before Cody and Sammy came along actually built so many different kinds of baby faces it's a baby face factory mm. Cassidy Moxley when he's a baby face hangman you can get three more different ones Yeah, they were all incredible and effective and if you start losing Perspective when you're booking on what it is to be a babyface, and that uh, that really worries me. That really, really worries me. Tony Khan, and he was using the um, in the scrum, which you will soon be able to watch on whatculturedive.com's YouTube channel in two parts. Tony Khan, because he, it's Tony Khan, he has a lot to say, but he used the release of the game, the release of Collision, and uh, the start of Collision and Forbidden Door, as and he kept kind of like beating this drum. June is going to be huge for AEW. June's really big. It's, I, I believe June is going to be it's going to be a great month. Um, but he also was saying AEW was changing quite a lot, and it was in relation to those things, and it was in relation to I think the changing face of the top of the card maybe, yeah. and uh, like which is fine. As it should change, things should evolve. But I don't necessarily think these are particularly good changes, and I wonder if he's waving away bad habits by just saying AEW is changing, guys. Yeah, it can still be fine. It's just going to make a few change. You know, it can be a lot like King of the Hill or Seinfeld. Yeah. It's not just about good guys versus bad guys. guys. So change it if you want to change it, but try to remember some of the uh, fundamental tenets that brought you to the dance. That's just the way you said it. Just the way you said it. The Four Pillars match was next. MGS successfully defended against Jack Perry. Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen. The minor complaint out of the way because the way the way they did the finish was fantastic. Yeah. I thought that this reached a peak of exhilaration and drama and then tried a bit too hard in the last four minutes to get back to where up to where that was. Yeah. And I thought this was absolutely sensational as a match. Loads of story. So much concentration required and so much focus and memory skill to make it seem like, oh, I have to, I'm in this position somehow, mm-hmm. when you have to remember how to go there. Um, everyone with taste, anyway, 
buries quite rightly the turn-taking approach to the WWE triple threat match yeah. where two people wrestle in the ring and one sells outside and etc etc this was like the antithesis of that where there were so many incredibly convoluted sequences that required awesome positioning awesome cardio awesome athleticism awesome storytelling to weave everything together so one thing flowed from the next between all four men um, it was genuinely a great achievement, I think, in that um, respect. It was also really funny. MGF yeah. slapstick bumps were fantastic. The little verbal interplay between him and Sammy Guevara, who, as revealed during his entrance, um, is about to have a baby. Mm-hmm. So MGF, like an arsehole, trying to use that for leverage to get Sammy <laughs> to pin, uh, to lay down. There was just all sorts of incredible stuff. And what's funny is that if I can reduce it to the sum of its parts, a lot of it was a lot of the moves I've seen on AEW television for years and years and years that I'm no longer as wowed by as I used to be. Yeah. But it was so frantic and it was threaded together so well that I just popped for every Canadian destroyer, every aerial. Um, there was one bit I want to put over in particular before I get your thoughts. They do this bit where MGF, as happened several times, has been ganged up on by the pillars mm. which is an ideal because at one point the three call on one babyface ratio got booze in the building and MGF got cheers because three babyfaces were ganging up on a heel yeah. and it doesn't matter what wrestling audience it is, what pro- what promotion there's always this are you a babyface if you're doing that sentiment mm-hmm. that's why so many war games matches booked by Triple H have had that <laughs> what's going on here then yeah. ganging up on the heel I'm not going to react to that these mm. actually sequences uh, got booed but they soon got the crowd back with these incredible things that they did um, when MGF was on the outside selling like the bit where Bryce Remsburg in most MGF matches will go one two one two one, two, when the holds and the pinning combinations are exchanged furiously. They somehow did a three-way version of this really deep into the match. The cardio required for this is unbelievable, mm. by the way. You should never like lose perspective of that. But like two people getting pinned at the same time. Yeah. Or like there were two bodies moving so one wrestler could pin the other and then transition to a pin on the other. Mm-hmm. I was like genuinely my mind was boggled by how they did um, a lot of that. MGF gets the pin by um putting the belt, draping the belt on Jack Perry's stomach when Darby Allen does the coffee drop. So Darby Allen just bumped on the triple B mm-hmm. that allows MGF to do the uh, headlock takeover to get the win. This was furious. Like there was a... Jack Perry did the spot where, you know, the James, James Bond crocodile. What Bond is that from? I can never remember, but I love the visual. Yes, yeah, so the visual yeah. of Bond jumping over the crocodiles. Jungle Boy jumps over Guevara and Allen's back to give a Canadian destroyer to MJF after like a bang, 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 destroyer, destroyer, destroyer. And I don't even think that was the best destroyer in the match mm-hmm. because um, MJF did a move to Jungle Boy that was reversed into one. This was insane, flowed together brilliantly. I think they might have missed the peak of it by about four minutes, but what a class, class match, I thought. Yeah, I would rather they shot and aimed as high as they did and missed that peak, if that peak is so incredibly high, which is what this was. This was intricate. This was, at times, 
like almost too visually pleasing for its own good, considering that they were all fighting for the title. Um, you know, they were so they were so elegant in the delivery of some of these moves that it had you in that God, this is this is really good, but not God he wants to win the title. And then there were lovely story beats towards the end where people did want to win the title and this pinfall saves became the gripping moment. I was really impressed live that I didn't find myself looking for wrestlers leaning on the apron with their head. I forgot to put over Christian's little rising up yes. to see if he could come out yet. Yeah, 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 that was great. But like, often you see wrestlers doing that as a shoot when they're in triple sets and fourways because it's like, can I get back in and do my bit yet? Yeah. Oh, I'm watching none of that. Didn't see any of that in this one. So super impressed with that. MJF's like... And just comedy won the day for me. There was two spots in particular. When he did the strut into the hip swivel, it was just majestic. Yeah. But him, so the the I suggested there might be like he does a really great low blow, doesn't he, MJF? Yes. But like the they're all doing like the kind of battling back up to the feet. We're all going to swing for each other, and he just goes for like three eye pokes. Yes, like, that was so tremendous. I love that because I kind of needed it because yeah. that when they were doing that elsewhere did border on the cliche to me uh-huh. like that's what a wrestler does when they are doing that spot is they want you to say fight forever this is awesome mm. which I guess you know everything they do is to get a reaction in a big chant but I just find it so transparent well he contrived it's funny you say that because he popped the balloon earlier with that when the three of them did a fish out of water spot and everybody as as is the case wrestlers do a kip up at the end of it and everybody goes, clap, clap, clap. And he got on the apron and did the patronising clap himself. Uh, great wrestling boys. Yes, uh, yes, yes. And I just, I felt like that kind of character work, and then you've got the thing in the middle where he offers Sammy the dive. After all of his plans, you know, he offers him the dive. I thought the character work was on it, the, the backbone of the match in the same way MJF's promos were the backbone of the story. Yeah. A really, really good bit of business that illustrated to me that the champion is the champion for a reason yeah. and they were nothing more than challenges. There's probably a Derby singles match in there. Derby's Elvis, the film's trash, you cannot do this, but the Derby Elvis gear was fantastic, yes. the half and half. I wish he'd wrestled in it, quite honestly, because yeah. it looked that fantastic. Um, maybe there's a Derby element. Sammy Guevara's a babyface might yet take as well. His him being a dad, yeah. an upcoming dad, is going to help that too. But he... I saw something in him here. His so. stuff in this match looked unbelievable. And considering they fed you the Jungle Boy, Roddy Piper, I can't do it tease as the drama. Might have been the wrong guy. Might have been, like, I know they've been doing that with Jungle Boy. It's going to be Jungle Boy that cheats, and it doesn't. But maybe think about that, because there might be a baby face in Sammy more than there is. Yeah. Like, you know, Jungle Boy is going to turn. We don't know when that's going to happen. But that's going to leave a space for a baby face to drop into, and it might be Sammy Guevara. Yeah. Potentially. Uh, I thought this was absolutely exceptional. Just shrieked at everything. One thing I will say is a pedantic flaw is that this was absolute destroyer city. You saw um, shooting star press on the top rope to the turnbuckle. Um, Spanish flies onto the two other guys in the four-way. Like, lots and lots and lots and lots of Invoke 2019 action. <laughs> Again, considering... That this this is meant to be a match between a established world champion main event and three opponents who are just just approaching his level. It felt like the match that they would work 
like a much better version of it with loads more texture and storytelling. Yeah, the spots and, the spots were thoughtful, but there were still spots. Yeah, yeah. there's loads like this is more textured, thoughtful, um, pay per view worthy version of that. Let's go absolutely ballistic in PWG match, but mm. it felt closer to one of the best PWG matches than a really worthy. Come on, this is big time, fellas. Main event headliner. Yeah, and it wasn't the main event. It wasn't the top line match. Last year's world title match was, as we were reminded, double nothing has a fun history of having lots of multi mans go on last. Apart from Punk and Hanger. But it didn't last year. Yeah. Because, like, personal issues, well, they caused problems in this case, but they draw money too. And, like, that's maybe what didn't happen here and thus why the match had to go where it had to go. Yeah. And we watched what we watched next and it couldn't have followed it. Yeah. Different different matches. Different matches. Couldn't have followed it on the night, I don't think. I was just again spellbound at times by the intricacy, the memory skills required to pull mm. it off. I yeah, that's a really good point about the memory that because it's that is so, so complex. Much. It's so much. This was so complex, but not like alienating no, like it was just so complex. Like I thought it was a real achievement considering um, the expectations heading into it. The expectations were vast for Anarchy in the Arena, which was our main event. I thought it exceeded them or yeah. met them at the very least. It was just so awesome, so much fun to watch live. Like so incredible. I had so many different nonsense words, nonsense noises <laughs> coming out of my mouth watching this. All of which were an endorsement. So there's a live band this time who are playing Wild Thing. They loop it three times as just the brawls are spilling out. And I loved the idea of... It wasn't quite, ah, I wish I had six eyes. Because if I don't look at that, I'm going to miss it because I'm watching this. But that was insane anyway. I like the idea of missing something in this match. I got that at the start, but then it did sort of like converge in the ring. But then the, the... near falls in that finishing stretch was so great that I can forgive it for not being anarchy mostly by ringside <laughs> as yeah. opposed to in the arena yeah. but it was so it was still anarchic it was still ultra violent it was still so fabulously put together there's like some of the kickouts for like those Bisaikunis one winged angel saves like it was some of the most devastating finisher the most credible finishers in all of wrestling being furiously exchanged and you believed every single one of them because these are masters of, the, of their craft who really protect their finishes mm-hmm. and can have carry a credibility as characters. So anyway, they loop the the, the live band loops wild thing. Turns out the singer is more BCC than the elite, hence mm-hmm. why they're doing wild thing. And after the third loop and more incredible action, the young bucks um, ward off. I think really uh, up the stage. Then they decide, sick if you're a wild thing, it's not our song. Super kick the singer of the live band who had been revealed to be wearing a BCC t-shirt, and that's the moment when the music ends. Um, so we get Double or Nothing 2019 callbacks with Mox and um, Kenny Omega, who sort of partner off. Um, Yuta Danielson um, are with Hangman Page early in the match, and that leaves... Matt Jackson and Claudio Castagnoli to do the um, this year's equivalent of the Eddie Kingston and uh, Daniel Garcia bit where they're the ones to go backstage and oh my god this is utterly fantastic you just do they do a split screen gimmick in um, the arena I don't know if they did that on TV and um, because last year they just did cut 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 to capture 
Oh, you can't capture this. There's too much anarchy. So I don't know if the split screen was a bit of a betrayal of what the anarchy in the arena should be, or if it was just a necessary means of actually capturing it. Um, either way, that's the most pedantic of complaints. Cesaro does the swing to Matt Jackson mm-hmm. in the concession stand and just puts his head in a bin. Yeah. And Claudio <laughs> is a Terminator, but who can scream and mm. he's just so chuffed with himself and so high on his own violence that he just screamed at the top of his lungs. Their fight continues to um, spill out into the parking lot where they find a pickup truck and Claudio power bought, uh, pile drive. Sorry, I'm very tired. Um, Jackson into it. So it's Jackson, Matt Jackson's turn to do the Eddie Kingston shamble down the ring to then do something really cool spot. Yeah. And that's something I can't believe that I got this right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I am a victory lap guy, I've decided. <laughs> I am a victory lap guy. I had an idea that they'll do a secret explosion in this match, mm. with the idea being that they can't advertise an explosions match. They can't even tease there being an explosion with like that John Moxley. It's going to be more explosive than you think because people would just get scared that it's going to suck after Mm -hmm. Revolution 2021 so this is so much better as a surprise and my god have you seen the photo of it? No. Oh my god if you go on Twitter there's a photo of it and it rules so hard and it's a big explosion it's Matt Jackson super kicking you there in the face and then they subsequently take off Matt Jackson's shoe you know what that means. Oh, that means. We're going to lose. Um, and then, before we get to that incredible salvo of beside Goop save, one winged angel save, V trigger save, um, we get the moment where Kenny Omega, who's awesome in this match, is using his shield like um, a, a superhero. Yeah. I have been reliably informed. <laughs> it's great because he either does it as a shield and a weapon at the same time. He gets the edge and just smacks it off people's faces yeah. with a back elbow. He's, he's awesome. Then you get the Hangman Page and Kenny Omega full reunion, oh and it was just so goddamn great when they stood up two v four on it. Two v four and thought we were the best tag team in this company. Yeah, one of the best in history. We can beat four men. It's yes. Kenny Omega and Hangman so Page. Great. It's just life affirming stuff, like life affirming stuff for a for, for a nerd like me. <laughs> it was just absolutely incredible. Um, but then the thumbtacks start making a difference because now that Matt Jackson has lost his foot, which is law, it mm-hmm. means he's going yep. to um, a title. Usually, it means a title change, mm-hmm. but increasingly, it means a loss because um, he did it against Full Gear at Full uh, FTR at Full Gear 2020. They get the thumbtacks out and they atomic drop him soul first into the thumbtacks. Ah. And they do a heel who can like push in the pins, and it's oh. gross. Um, but it looks like the elite are going to persevere, overcome that. Summons Callus to the ring because he can't have that. He can't have Kenny win because that would prove his really awful decision wrong. Mm-hmm. So we can't keep winning. Yeah, you're my, you're my failing cash cow. You can't <laughs> still have cash left in here, so I'm going to end you now for good. This summons Takeshita in a mask and not the night not the cleanest finish but it's the finish yeah. and they seatbelt uh, sorry Wheeler Utah seatbelt Omega for the shock pain mm. at 27 or so minutes I believe it was um, I absolutely adored this on an emotional level on a fun level spectacle violence 
just sheer exhilaration, deep storytelling. There's nothing I wanted more from this match, and I wanted the world for this match. Yeah, it, um, it lived up to John Moxley's um, expectation setting promo, and that's the biggest compliment I can pay it because he promised the world. Um, as a live, I, I don't know, in the days to follow, because I, I haven't looked online at, um, what the reaction to this was. The, what Our awareness of this crowd being considered cold and quiet and whatever was because we were able to obviously check the timelines during the show. I didn't check the timeline during this match one bit, and then we were obviously straight into the scrum after the fact. So I don't know how Twitter took this match. I'm assuming very well, because even if the crowd did somehow still scan as quiet or some of the spots didn't work for you, there was that much. This was so dense in like what it included that I find it like... It's a bit like your thing about AEW in general being impossible to dislike if you're a wrestling fan because they'll find something for you. Yeah. This match was kind of that as well. Like... I don't love uh, hardcore wrestling or deathmatch wrestling or blood. Either way, I like it sometimes, and I like the context of it. Um, but they showed me the versions here where you can bleed and it can be really like over the top and it'd be effective. Claudio dragging the re- the bludgeoned referee out of the war zone via the camera, so you saw him covered in blood. Rick Knox getting uh, Rick Knox, yeah, that was it. Yeah, Ricky Knox, Ricky, Ricky. Rick Knox being the first to blade. Yeah. Like, the chair shot to the head. How did they get another referee spot as good as the Karen Jarrett one was so funny. Yeah, again, the, the biggest compliment, like you've covered everything excellently there in the recap. Um, yet again, Anarchy and the Reader's biggest achievement, and I cannot wait for I want round three. I've already pitched that like next year it should be an EDM DJ who just like somebody just pulls the iPod off to show that he wasn't doing any vision at all and then he just runs a mile yeah, yeah. abject piss pants fear from whoever he's attacking him um, it's and you see it with WWE Triple H loves a brawl he bloody loves a brawl but how many do you love watching of his brawls not, yeah. not that many it is so hard to manufacture believable carnage yeah. it's really hard um, you don't get it on Dynamite very often here come the run-ins here come the wall of punches, shared forearms, smashes to the face, whatever it is. It's so difficult, and they nailed it here. The elite stuff, life-affirming, was the exact word I had. There was the Page and Omega 2v4. There was the four-way Terminator dive. Yeah. Where they all got on the knee for the setup, and it was just, yeah, like, again, like, I have a feeling people will be fairly quick to say this just wasn't up to the standards of the last year's. I I don't know. Live, I wasn't in the building for last year's. I was in the building for this year's, and I'll remember it forever. Yeah. The bit, when the band were about to play the third one, they were coming to the end of the second one, and I saw the drummer stand up, and you know when Jarrett's playing the figure four and he does the, or Jake's DDT, the whirl with the finger, the drummer's like, one more? And the guy did one more, and it was like, the Cribs playing my favourite live song. Yeah, I've yeah. played five years, I was like... Yes, I want to hear Wild Thing again from the top. Yeah. Keep it coming. Like, that's the magic of Anarchy in the Arena. And I applaud the wrestlers involved, like just like I did last year, for the and the production for the ability to create this. Because as you say, even in a building, your eyes were darting around. You know when you're in a supermarket and you see a queue, you're in a queue, and you see another queue, you're like, I'm going to go to that queue because I think it's going to get smaller. And then you look to your left and the queue that you're in is... I started yeah, moving yeah. faster so you try and move back and it just keeps happening like that and it's immensely frustrating this is the joyous celebratory version of that because you're watching I think I was watching John Moxley 
hit Kenny Omega with a random guard really discovered, and you went, "Oh my god, a flip!" Right? And Nick I Jackson that, did some mad flip. I missed that flip. So I looked I'm over. Grateful because it just meant the carnage was happening. Yeah, I, I looked over to the flip. At which point the flips happened. There's not going to be like a second flip. Yeah. And then there was like a oh, and Moxley done something else, and I was like, I moved. That's that's on me. Yeah, yeah. They're fighting, and it's they're not. For, it's not for my spectacle. It's for the fight. Yeah. And what that draws you into is just like it's an it's a really immersive fan experience. They're not doing this for you. They're doing it to kill each other. Yeah. You just happen to be in the audience for it. It's an incredibly effective bit of business, and I hope they find the pairings next year for this to work again. And if we're working on the assumption that blood and guts isn't going to be in the women's division, and it's in fact going to be here, I mean, it's going to kick ass when the booster rocks up, isn't it? Yeah. So, all good. They have found Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. For years, you laboured, and it was absolutely right you did so, on how much kind of Kenny was a prick for Paige reaching out constantly in tag matches, and Kenny just been like, I'm going to do the Ibushi stuff. And they did the You Can't Escape, and Paige got fully involved as the Ibushi. Yeah. And they hit it, and they did it uh, together. And Kenny and Ibushi's crack was that they could never actually hit that one together. And oh, they, And, like, Hangman doing the running moonsault to get involved with it. It's like, I'll play. And they did the You Can't Escape together. And it's like, they have never been more whole. I loved it so much. Really great stuff, that. I absolutely love this. Um, I'm so glad I got the chance to uh, watch it live. And, again, not to keep uh, hammering on, that's because of you and your yeah. listens and your one, support and that's our last one of uh, Las Vegas I'm exhausted I'm going to sleep for five hours and then do some writing because I just simply cannot do it now um, but let us know what you thought about the show from the TV perspective because we are very interested in that underneath the Twitter link to this podcast at WhatCultureWWE on Twitter whilst you're there you can follow Michael Hamflet at uh, Michael Hamlet, I just want to echo those thoughts. I know you're desperate to go to that. Yeah, yeah. I want to echo those thoughts. It's our last one here in the hotel room. It's been an unbelievable yeah. week. Um, AW has been like something that we desperately wanted to be in the room for. And obviously, because we're goddamn Brits, we haven't had the opportunity. So this has been just dream, dream stuff. Thank you for being patient with the audio quality yeah. dip. We are aware of that. We hope the um, analysis quality hasn't dipped even including the Smackdown review, which I do recommend yeah. you listen to. Specifically niche feedback for that one as well. It's just been a tremendous week. It's been a week of different podcasts, I think. I know. But no less flavourful. Absolutely. So thank you very much for joining us. If you haven't already subscribed to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from. And we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do 
and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.